Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michelle, so much. Let me quickly, uh, there's a number of um, inserts in your bulletin about the missions committee and the proposed mission work this coming year, and I'm going to let uh, Michelle later is going to introduce our guest speaker today, and she will share about those inserts in the bulletin. But let me quickly tell you, uh, tonight the Iwanis at 6 and the youth and also the adult worship service. Uh, tomorrow night is the fall festival. Uh, we'll serve hot dogs from 5.30 until 6 and all the trimmings. That is free. Invite folks to come to that, and then we'll have the games uh, beginning at 6.30 to 7.30. All children are invited to this. Uh, please remind your child, we don't want any scary costumes. If you want to dress up like a Bible uh, character uh, or like some type of, of animal or princess or even uh, a celebrity, uh, I don't know if they're making um, Herbert Brown costumes, but... Um, <laughs> That would be scary. Thank you very much, Chris Yarborough. Um, but look, we do need some help tomorrow night, okay? If you could run the games or help in the kitchen, that would certainly be appreciated, okay? Uh, and if you would like to help, please let Michelle Clayton, Desiree Jones, or Cindy Sumner know so that they can assign a place for you to serve, okay? And Cindy's also asked me to announce about the shoeboxes. They're going to be packed this Wednesday night. That's the Operation Christmas Child. They're going to be packed um, Wednesday night as our missions night, and the Baptist men and women will meet in the fellowship hall, and we'll pack those shoeboxes. So we encourage you to come. Even if you're not a normal part of the missions night, we'd like for you to come. This is a, just a wonderful time of fellowship, knowing also that these uh, boxes will go out to help children around the world. And also Cindy, Cindy has asked me to announce about the tissues for person high. They're still needed, and they're still taking that up. Uh, Saturday, the GAs are going to meet here at the church at 8.30 to go to Crew, Virginia, and uh, go through the Lottie Moon tour. And also, Stop Hunger will be here at the church uh, 9.15 Saturday morning, and they'll be packing food, okay? And again, if you would like information about that, you could contact Linda Hatcher. The church has been involved in this. Uh, each year, there's a different location that they pack the foods, and this year, we'll be here at our church. Several things on the back. Uh, number one, the Finance Committee is meeting uh, to uh, uh, come up with the 2017 budget. Uh, <coughs> if you are in charge, uh, our chairman or chairperson of a committee, and, and you have a budget, uh, if you need to make any changes in that, if you, would, uh, if you would get that information to Donnie Hubbard, who is chairman of the uh, Finance Committee, that would be greatly appreciated. Monday, November the 7th at 7 o'clock is the World Day of Prayer, and that will be at Providence uh, Baptist Church. And uh, please notice the other dates on the back. Um, one of the dates I want to remind you of is the joint Thanksgiving service on uh, Sunday night, November the 20th, with Oak Grove, and that will be here at our church. So, again, uh, Michelle's going to share some of the inserts with you. Um, there's a lot of folks that we need to lift up to the Lord in prayer this morning, so uh, please uh, bear with me. I think it's important that we do call many by name. And let me add a couple of folks, okay? Caitlin Robertson was admitted into North Carolina Memorial Hospital in Chapel Hill last night. As you know, she has a lot of trouble with diabetes, so please remember her. 
also add Marvin Giles. He will have surgery Thursday at the Davis uh, Surgical Center in Durham. That will be outpatient surgery on Thursday. At Duke, Reverend Chris Sorensen is no longer in Duke. Uh, uh, many of you remember him. He is from, um, from this community, and he's been in the ministry for a number of years. He had a brain bleed and was in Duke for several days, so please lift him up in prayer. Joyce Wren, who was in Duke this past week, came home yesterday, and Joyce asked me to share this with you. Uh, they think that the the leukemia might no longer be in remission, and they did a bone marrow on Thursday, and she will find out the results of that on Tuesday. So please lift them up. These are some very tense moments from them as they wait to hear about whether the leukemia has returned or not. At Duke... Okay, so that is Garnet Ellis, E-L-L-I-S. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. Uh, at Duke Regional, Betty Bray and Plato Paul. Uh, Joe Lee has been moved uh, from Durham to the Mebane Ridge uh, Assisted Living in Mebane, and uh, the address of that has been posted on the bulletin board. But it will be, okay? It will be posted, okay? Jack Blaylock Sr., uh, Glenn's dad, was in Roxburgh Hospital. He has gone home. Leslie Ladd is still in UNC Memorial Hillsboro. Um, Bud Hall at Pruitt Rehab and Teresa Bowes in Hillcrest Rehab. Uh, please remember also at home Helen and Weldon Bowes, Doug and Linda Carver. Doug will go back Tuesday to Duke. Um, and they'll check the progress of his cancer also. So please remember him. J.W. Chambers, Lance's dad, has come home from Duke. Uh, also at home, Benny Clayton, Elma Clayton, Doyen Duncan, Carolyn Fuller, uh, Vicki Hubbard, who broke her ankle this past week, um, Rosa Mae Lewis, Ricky Robertson. Ricky's back, but Ricky had outpatient surgery uh, <coughs> Thursday, but he is back with us this morning. Good to see him. Ronnie Shepard's back. Please continue to remember him. Brenda Stegall, uh, Mandy, and Pam Stobel. Those are sisters. Um, Mandy Stone, Matthew Thornburg, Donald Wilburn, Donald Wilson, Rick Wilbert, Ronnie Yarborough, who is um, Maggie Long's son. That is Daryl and Maggie's son, Barbara Winstead, Texie Wren. Many of you have already heard this, but Jay Dagenhart, our former youth minister, his sister died on Thursday. And the visitation will be Tuesday night from 5 until 8 uh, at the Updike Funeral Home in Bedford, Virginia. And the funeral will be on Wednesday at 10 o'clock. So just please lift uh, Jay and Elaine and Jay's mom and all the family up in prayer. Please continue to pray for the Hurricane Matthew victims, and please, please continue to pray for the elections. As I've done, and I want to do again, uh, early voting is going on right now, and it goes on through next Saturday, the 5th, and then the election day is on the 8th. If you haven't voted yet, please do that. 
I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider uh, the platforms of each party. And then as God leads you, you make your decision. But we are very blessed to live in a country where we can vote and take a stand. And I hope as Christians that we'll do that. Okay. And another prayer concern is 68 quarts of stew that they want to sell. Okay. (laughs) I'm just joking with you. But if you would like some stew, please, uh, in the kitchen after after the service. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we can come before your throne and we can lift others up to you in prayer. God, so often it's just a routine to have this prayer time, but God, may we truly lift up those that are not able to be here because of health issues or death or, Lord, being confined to an institution of care. Lord, we just pray whatever the need is that you would bless them. God, we pray for those who are having surgeries this week that you would guide the hands of the surgeons and that all would go well. God, we lift up those that will be going to the hospital to get cancer reports this week that, God, you would just assure them that you're with them regardless of the outcome of the biopsies or the test. And, God, we pray for Jay Dagenhart and his family that you would bless them in the loss of his sister. God, we know that as we assemble together, we can't lay our burdens down when we come into the sanctuary. So, Father, we pray that for all the burdens that are laying heavy upon the hearts of those seated in this sanctuary, that we would yield them to you. God, we thank you that your word does instruct us to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And God, again, we are grateful for this nation. And we pray, Father, that we might seek your will, not only in the upcoming election, but God, we pray that we would turn back to you. God, may we allow you to bring about a revival in not only the nation, but, Lord, within our hearts and within our churches. And, God, even this morning as we worship you, may we truly serve you in spirit and in truth. And, Lord, as we pray together, we remember that prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm invite our young children to come down. Well, I'm supposed to do the verse of the month. Let's look at this in the bulletin, okay? Psalms 85, verse 6. Let's say this together. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? And now I'm going to ask our young people to come to the front. As they come, let me remind you that the November devotional material are here in the front and also in the back.
what he wanted them to do. And you know what he told them? And he told them a lot of things. But you know what one of the things was? Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And those early disciples knew that Jesus was talking about, talking to them about going out and telling the world around them about him and doing good deeds and living in such a way that the rest of the world would know that Jesus was the Son of God and that he is the Savior of the world. So Mission Sunday reminds us that God wants us not only to come to church and hear about his love for us, but he wants us to leave this building, this church, and go out and tell other people about the love of Jesus. And we can do that in many, many ways. And one of the ways that we can do that is by helping other people out. And a good example of that is, you, you know the hurricane that came through and all those areas down in the eastern part of the state were flooded? One of the ways that we can go out to Jesus is to go and help people that have been affected by disasters and other things like floods. And there's going to be some groups that are going to be going from the church. They're going to, our youth are going to go down and going to help in some of those places where there have been floods. They'll be cleaning out houses. They'll be helping people get their lives back together. And that will be done because we love Jesus and we want everybody else to know that Jesus loves them too. So today I hope you'll listen not only to our guest speaker, but our missions committee is going to tell us some of the opportunities that we're going to have in the coming years. They're planning so that as Jesus was sent by the Father, we have been sent by Jesus to go out into the rest of the world. Okay? Alright? That's better than foot, 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 and foot, foot, foot. Let's pray together, okay? Alright? Dear Jesus, thank you for each one of our children their homes and parents and grandparents. Thank you, Father, that you sent your son and he died for us to show us how much you love us. And Father, thank you that your son has sent us, his church out to the world around us so that we can tell others how much Jesus loves them. And I pray that as these young children grow up, that they will come to know Jesus as their Savior. And I pray that they will know that they These are hymnals. They're in the front of your benches. We don't use them much, but we're going to use it today. Um, let's turn to hymn number 626. We'll sing all, ver all three verses of I Love to Tell the Story.
is is that video going to be able to be played, Steve? Do you, you going to? Okay, okay. We've got a video of the Praetorian Guard that we hope will pray. Um, we get so attached to all this modern equipment, and we're thankful for it. So please don't become discouraged if we can't get that up, okay? But uh, we have a special speaker today, Brian O'Day, his daughter, um, Danny. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's an age thing. Um, uh, Danny, we are glad to have you, honey. And I, I'm I'm sorry. I, before I say anything else wrong, Bill, lead us in a prayer. Okay. <laughs> As we celebrate the mission today, Father, I just pray that you be able to let us go where we are needed. And as we come to take up this offering, Father, I pray that you would bless this offering to the advancement of your kingdom. These things we ask in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> RAs were supposed to take up the offering. Hold up just a second, guys. You, were y'all supposed to take up the offering? Yeah. <laughs> y'all go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Brian, we aren't normally this organized. I just want you to know. founded by Congress in 1775. Marines have served in every armed conflict the United States has ever engaged in, from the Revolutionary War to the modern wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. The Marine Corps 
overall purpose is to be the quick reaction uh, 911 force, a, a military service force, if you will. What's special about the Marine Corps is that it's so small that you're going to run into other Marines as you're traveling from place to place. It always happens. You always run into different Marines no matter where you're at. It's a constant commitment to service in whatever the capacity is that's being demanded of you. Quantico is the crossroads of the U.S. Marine Corps. It's the place where every Marine Corps officer begins his career. Every year, droves of young Marines and their families cycle in and out of Quantico. It is not uncommon, especially within the last 10 years, to show up in a duty station, train up, and within months of moving, to deploy. You also think about the other emotional elements of missing your family and trying to stay connected with them as much as you can while you're serving your country. You're talking about not only being apart for six months, but before that six months happens, you, you are gone the majority of the time getting ready for that deployment. So it's a big strain on families. And it, you know, the mother has to step up and she has to be not only the mother to the children, but she has to be the father while the father's gone. That puts families under a stressful load. So it's usually young wives and sometimes small children. And having the ability to plug them into a family already there, a church family, a good Christ-centered church family is very crucial.
you have a lot of paperwork. We try to give as much information as possible today. Um, one of the inserts is the pink one, or it may not be pink, but the one that lists all of the uh, outreach and missions projects that we did this year. Um, we, were, we were busy. We ended up doing four ramps, which is very unusual for us. Um, several, two trips down to Jacksonville. And then, as you can see, we did Project Love. We did, um, for the first time, we did the Storage Creek Elementary School project. And then uh, we also did a trip to Alaska and Washington. So we were very busy. Um, if you have any questions about any of these, please feel free to ask me. And then also we included um, the new mission trip guidelines that we are... Um, proposing this year. A few little changes on that. Blue sheet, okay, blue sheet. Um, there again, if you have any questions about any of these changes or any of the guidelines, or if you have any questions about any mission trip, um, let me know. We did include a list this year, the green sheet, for you to fill out, just like in previous years. We listed all the upcoming opportunities and we asked that in order for us to get the information to more information, detailed information to those who want it, to fill out this sheet, check what you may be interested in. This in no way obligates you to go on a trip or take part in whatever you signed, uh, signed up or check the box for. It just means to let us know you want more information with a, a phone number or an email, whichever one's your best contact. At the end of the service at our final song, we ask that if you have thought about this, prayed about something you want to do, um, felt led to get more information, check the box, fill it out, and turn it into the offering plates um, during the last song. You can bring them up to the altar, lay them there. Uh, we ask God to bless everything we do here at the church and that we only follow his will and not our own plans. Uh, so also the... Um, on our calendar, there is a youth trip coming up to Red Springs Mission Camp to help with disaster relief. Um, not on here is the one for November 16th. I'm taking a group. We're, we're going to have a group going um, November 16th, coming back on the 19th, on that Saturday evening. If anybody is interested in going, let me know. We'll be staying at a church. Um, you have to bring your air mattress, and the meals will be provided by the Baptist men. So let me know. We would do, I'll be doing mud out, tear out projects, um, cleaning up. And um, I want to thank the church for this past year, every year, um, 
allowing us to do missions, for supporting missions. Um, it always amazes me that, um, you know, we do have such a, a wonderful church family that uh, supports missions and wants to reach out, especially to this community, to be a light in this community, uh, this town, and throughout this state and to the ends of the earth. And I want to genuinely thank you for supporting us and not only by going, but by giving um, and praying, especially praying for us. Now I'm going to introduce our speaker, Brian O'Day. Um, I think we were trying to figure out this morning if we went to four trips there so far. And uh, his wife, Kelly, she's not here. Danny is here with him. Chrislyn, Trey, and Nate, so he has four children. He served in the Marines for nearly 10 years. And he began as pastor of Pillar Church in Jacksonville in January of 2013. And I'm just going to tell you, every time we have been there and the group that goes to Washington, it has been a blessing every single time because that is our small, small way of saying thank you to those who serve our country um, and give us the freedoms that we have. They give up so much. They sacrifice so much. And that's just a small way we can go and serve them. And the heart uh, of these churches, Pillar Church, to serve God and to make his name known uh, is just amazing. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing from Brian. All right. Good morning. It is good to be here. Um, man, I feel so connected to this church already by uh, interacting with so many of the missions teams. Uh, it has been really good. And uh, good news for you, Pastor Brown. The, uh, the, they say the second thing to go is the memory. <laughs> Do you know the first thing? Yeah. No, I forgot what the first thing is. <laughs> That is, uh, that's my one old joke. Uh, believe it or not, I am, uh, I am one of the old people in my church. Uh, we started a church in what is the youngest city in America, or goes back and forth of being the youngest city in America. Uh, we have an average age in our city of just under 22 years old. Uh, we probably have more 18 to 25-year-old males uh, than any other city in the country. Uh, and so uh, I am one of the old guys in my church, which may seem a little odd to you, uh, but it is true. So I have to have at least one old joke to, to, uh, to have, but it is great to be here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 11. Uh, if you do not have a Bible uh, with you, I saw a few in the pew backs there. You can grab one of those and follow along with us. Uh, Acts chapter 11. And uh, I would encourage you to follow along with me in the passage that I'm going to discuss this morning. Uh, because if you're like me at all, uh, you're very skeptical when a stranger comes up and begins to speak uh, about the things of the Lord. And I think we should be a little bit skeptical. I heard a quote one time, you should be very skeptical of men with microphones. And I know we're in a political season, and I would just encourage you to be very skeptical of people with microphones. 
And so I understand that. And so what I'm going to attempt to do is simply walk through a passage of Scripture this morning. And uh, if I deviate from the Scripture, uh, then, then very much so take note of that and go and examine that on your own this afternoon or this week. Uh, but where I am uh, aligned with the Scripture, uh, seek where the Lord is leading you and convicting you. Um, I think as we walk through this, what I'm going to talk about this morning is a modern display of a biblical pattern for missions, a modern display of a biblical pattern for missions. And as I think about this, I think there's, there's going to be two ways that we could go, right? There's one way we could go and say, hey, we've been doing pretty well at this, and, and you have a long list of accomplishments as a church. Uh, you have a long list of accomplishments as individuals, I am certain, uh, in regards to missions. But I would encourage us also to align ourselves with Scripture and ask the Lord, how could I as an individual align more fully with Scripture? And how could we as a church corporately more align with the Scriptures in uh, carrying out the biblical model for missions and church planting? So without further discussion, let's get in Acts chapter 11. I'm going to start in verse 19, Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus of Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed, turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now jump over to verse er, chapter 13 and verse 1. Chapter 13 and verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Again, the title for the sermon this morning is A Modern Display of a Biblical Pattern. So my big idea this morning is this. Today's missions strategies need simply apply biblical patterns to modern contexts. Today's mission strategies need to simply apply biblical patterns to modern contexts. So I just talked about the context that I'm in, one of the youngest cities in America, probably one of the most transient cities in America. About 80% of our population is directly affiliated with a uniformed service member, so they move a lot. 
I don't know your context. I don't know your context all that well at all, actually, but you do. But we need to apply biblical patterns to our modern context. The sermon this morning will really break down into two main parts. Uh, first is the biblical pattern for missions, and then just kind of an example of what we have done, uh, what God has done through my life and through uh, Pillar Church Jacksonville. I'll just warn you, I'm going to spend more time in the scriptures than talking about my life and my church. Uh, we're going to spend time in the Word. Uh, first, in our passage, Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 25, and verses 13, or chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, we see the church of Antioch as a beautiful biblical pattern. First, notice in verses 19 through 21 that the church will be Jesus' witness to the nations. The church will be Jesus' witness to the nations. Uh, you may be familiar with the book of Acts. You may not. If you flip back with me to Acts chapter 1, Luke, the writer of Acts, gives us his thesis very early on in the scriptures, and he does so through the mouth of Jesus. He tells us what the book of Acts is about in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, just so that we get it in context. I'm going to start in verse 6, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. So when they had come together, the disciples of Jesus, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus looked at his disciples before he ascended back to heaven, after he had died for the sins of his people to save them and reunite them to God the Father, he told them they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I believe most of us have figured this out, but sometimes if you're like me, we tend to forget. If Jesus says something will happen, it will happen. It will happen every single time. If Jesus says that something will happen, it will happen. So when he told his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, you can bank on it. It will happen. So back in Acts chapter 11 and verse 19, do we see the church in Jerusalem where it started? Do we see them joyfully sending their people out? No, they are scattered because of persecution. The Christian church that started in Jerusalem that was supposed to emanate out from there was not joyfully sending their people to fulfill Jesus' words. Instead, they had remained close to home. They had remained in Jerusalem. It took persecution to drive them out. But then notice when they did, when they were driven out due to persecution and they were scattered due to persecution, uh, notice initially at the end of verse 19, it says they only spoke to the Jews. They only spoke to people who were like them. So yes, they left Jer Jerusalem, but even when they left Jerusalem, they initially spoke to people that it was easier to speak to, people who were like them, their fellow Jews. But then a few of them tried to do something different. 
A few of them started preaching the Lord Jesus to the Greeks of that area, people that were quite different from them. And look what happened in verse 21. It tells us that the Lord was with them as he had promised to be back in Matthew chapter 28. And people began to turn to the Lord Jesus based on the disciples' witness about Jesus, just as he said that they would. Notice he said, you will be my witnesses. He also told Peter, my church will advance, my church will continue, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. People did turn to the Lord just as Jesus said that he would. Brothers and sisters, don't we see ourselves in this indictment? Isn't our tendency to stay close to home? Jesus tells us to advance. He says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And our tendency, our our goal is to stay close at home. Even if we do venture out, when we venture out, we try to find people like us to minister to. We try to find people like us to speak the Lord Jesus to. We try to find people like us. Don't we see ourselves in this indictment? Here's the problem with our brothers and sisters from Jerusalem. Most of the people in Jerusalem had heard the good news of Jesus Christ and they had rejected the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, most of those in Jerusalem at this time had heard Jesus' words from Jesus' mouth and they had rejected them to the point of crucifying him on the cross. They had heard the gospel and they had rejected the gospel. The gospel was meant to emanate out from there. Brothers and sisters, you've probably figured this out as well, but most people in North Carolina have access to the gospel. Most people in North Carolina have heard the gospel, and most people, more than half in North Carolina, have rejected the gospel. In my city, in North Carolina, 87% are unchurched. They do not go to church. 87%. Do not regularly attend a worship gathering with a church. And I'll tell you, of those 13%, I'm not a big fan of some of the churches they're a part of. I believe many of them preach a false gospel. So there are many unreached, even in North Carolina, but they have access to the gospel, and they have rejected the gospel. The gospel needs to emanate out. I'm not telling everyone to leave. We're going to get to that here in a second. But the gospel needs to advance and continue on. A simple simple proclamation of the gospel is meant to emanate out from central locations. Notice what happens in verses 22 through the first half of 26. Verse 22 through the first half of 26, we see that the church will be interdependent local churches. So the the big C church, the capital C church, the universal church, which is all Christians of all times and all places, will be made up of, comprised of, interdependent local churches. Please notice that although people left Jerusalem because of the persecution and went to proclaim Jesus in other places, the church of Jerusalem also remained. 
So please don't hear me saying to shut down gospel work here in North Carolina. Please do not hear me saying that. Please hear me saying that some were to remain, some are to remain here in uh, Roxborough, and some will need to continue to proclaim the gospel boldly here and to clearly and lovingly display the gospel here, but also notice what they do from Jerusalem. They hear the gospel proclamation in Antioch, so they heard that, that some of those who were scattered went to Antioch and they, they had some, they, they kicked up what I like to call evangelistic dust. They had a lot of people converted and come to the Lord and they heard about this in Jerusalem. It says it came to the ears of those in Jerusalem, to the church in Jerusalem. And notice they sent out Barnabas. They sent Barnabas to go to that church and minister to that church. And notice Barnabas was a revered Christian leader in the church in Jerusalem. It says that he was a good man. It says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith in verse 24. They sent him out. They said, wow, we hear there's some need. There's a need of of that evangelistic dust that just got kicked up by people who were proclaiming the Lord Jesus we need to send them a leader. We need to send them a good man who, can, who is full of the Holy Spirit, who can teach them and bring them up in the Lord. I know of a failed church plant, a failed church plant, a new church that tried to start but was unsuccessful in starting. Just so you know, our success rate at church planting in North America is about 50%. So about half the time we try to start a church, it works, and half the time it doesn't make it to its first birthday. But I know of one failed church plant where the two guys that were sent out were sent out from two different churches. And the two churches tried to be the mother church, sending church of this new church plant. And the two guys they sent out were the two youth pastors that those churches were trying to get rid of. That's not the guys that they sent out from Jerusalem. Those are not the guys to send out. The guy that's sitting in the corner and and you'd prefer that... he go away and he go prefer you prefer that he go do something else please do not convince him to be a church planter please do not convince him to be a barnabas that that has gone to minister to some evangelistic dust that has been kicked up and minister to those saints they sent out barnabas they sent out a man full of the holy spirit and full of faith then notice in verse 25 in verse 25 barnabas realized that he needed help Barnabas realized that he needed help, and so he went and he found Saul. He went to Tarsus, and he found Saul, and he brought Saul back, and they did the work together. This is the mission that Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. This job to go to the uh, ends of the earth is not a mission that our local churches can do independently. It is not a mission that your local church or my local church can do on our own. No, we are to be interdependent local churches that depend on one another as we rely on Jesus Christ to accomplish his work in his ways. And notice what happens when we do this. The, the end of our passage there in chapter 11, the second half of verse 26, the church will be expanded when pagans become disciples who become a local church. 
So the church expands as the capital C, universal church, all believers believers of all time. That expands and grows when pagans, non-Christians, become disciples of Jesus Christ and are formed into local churches. So notice what has happened in this short passage that we've been covering. Antioch was just a place that people were fleeing to. They were not going intentionally to preach the gospel. They were just fleeing to this place. Then notice that the people that they began to preach to initially that turned to the Lord, they were just known as a classification. We classify people on a regular basis. Here in your text, they're probably called Hellenists or they're called Grecians. They were just a classification of people right now. So the military is a classification of people. Let's go to the military. They were a classification of people. But then some believe. It's not what it says, is it? It says a great number believed. It actually says a great number or a great many people three different times in that one paragraph. It doesn't say some believed, a great many or a great number believed in the Lord Jesus. So now you have a great number of brand new Christians. Have you ever been around a big group of brand new baby Christians? Can you imagine what it would be like to be around a great number of brand new baby Christians? It's messy. It's messy. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of correction. There's a lot of teaching. There's a lot of things that have to happen. But notice the last half of verse 26. It calls this great number of baby Christians with two leaders. Calls them a church. It calls them disciples. It says people started calling them Christians, little Christ. So evangelistic fervor, a lot of brand new baby Christians. One leader realizes he's not enough. There's two leaders now. He starts calling them a church. Luke calls them a church here. He says the disciples and the disciples were first called Christians. Now, we have no clue how long all this took. I don't. I have no clue. In my, in my Bible, the way uh, my translation hits the return stops and everything else, it's one paragraph. One paragraph. We don't know how long it took exactly. But in one paragraph, we go from a missionary context with, with unbelievers, people who have not yet heard the gospel, to a church of disciples who are now being called Christians, and yet they do not stop there. We jumped over to ver- uh, chapter 13, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, what do they do? They multiply. They multiply. I hear a lot of you are having to turn your page to get to chapter 13. In my Bible, I don't even have to turn the page. It's not that long, it seems, right? From chapter 11, where we were, to chapter 13, it's not that long. You only had to turn one page. Many of you didn't even have to turn the page. And they're multiplying. They're multiplying. They sent them off. Notice, then after fasting, in verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, Paul and Barnabas, and sent them off. They had four leaders, and they sent two of them off. They sent them off. Again, Barnabas, this guy, he was considered probably the founding pastor of their church, and they sent him off. Paul, the second guy, their two founding pastors, they sent them off off. 
This is how the gospel spreads. This is how Jesus' words are fulfilled. People preach the Lord Jesus where he has not yet been preached. People believe. Other churches throw in all the support they can to to see this work grow and to support this work to see a church started there. And then the new church quickly is one of the churches sending out people and continuing the process. That's how it happens. Missionary context to a church, and that church begins to multiply. That's all I've got. It's a biblical pattern. It's what I'm basing really the rest of my life on, is that pattern. That we would kick up evangelistic fervor by preaching the Lord Jesus, and then form those new Christians into churches, and then look around and see other people doing the same thing and get involved in that as well. That's what we're doing. So let me briefly walk through what that's looked like for me in the past several years. Pillar Church Jacksonville's modern display. First, God called me to minister to the military. Uh, I had thought about the military seriously uh, when I was in high school. When I was 18 years old and I was about to leave mom and dad's house, I thought it would be cool to join the military. I don't know why. They wore cool uniforms. At that time, the Marine commercials, uh, I believe that we were slaying dragons on like this, uh, this balance beam thing with a big sword. So we were slaying dragons. That looked cool to me. So I decided I would join the military. But for whatever reason, I did not. I, I left that and I, I went to other things. Uh, I had abandoned this goal of joining the military, but when God saved me at 20 years old, two years later, and I had, I had started to go down a different path, uh, I had, I had um, thought that I was going to go be a, in, a, in business, I was going to make a lot of money at that time, uh, people were making all kinds of money in the stock market, that was before it crashed, um, but when I was 20 years old, it became clear to me that God did, in fact, call me to join the military, but not just because it was cool this time, but now to be one of his witnesses in the military. So I did. I went to officer candidate school on my 21st birthday. Uh, I know a lot of people celebrate their 21st birthday a little differently. I went and showed up to officer candidate school for the Marine Corps. I finished my degree, and I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps at 22 years old. I spent the next 10 years of my life ministering to Marines as a Marine. I deployed three times to a combat zone, and let me tell you, people are open to discuss the gospel of Jesus Christ in a combat zone like they are not anywhere else. Crisis calls us to call out to our Creator, and I was able to see that at the time. There were times while I was in the Marines that I departed from God's purpose for me in the Marine Corps. And each time, he would discipline me back to himself. No, 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 no. You you seem to be focused on your career. No, 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 no. You seem to be focused on your own comfort. You're you're here to be my witness. I said you're going to be my witness. You're here to be my witness. And he disciplined me back. Whether it was passivity or sin or vain pursuits, God drew me back and disciplined me back to be his witness yet again. If we are in Christ, we will be his witnesses. God called me to minister in and through local churches. I don't know about you, but every once in a while I get fed up with church life. You don't have to admit that. That's okay. I didn't hear any amens from that one. It's okay. It's okay. 
Local church is hard. It's difficult. Just like marriage is hard, right? You put two sinners in a house and tell them to get along for the rest of their life. Would not be my idea, but it was God's idea. Putting a bunch of sinners together and saying, hey, go ahead and organize yourselves for this mission that I've called you to do. Put a bunch of sinners together to do that and commit to it and don't don't jump around and switch churches a bunch. Like, no, 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 commit to it. Commit to the mission. Organize yourselves for this mission. Do it together. It gets frustrating sometimes. But God kept pulling me back into the church. I was tempted to go be his witness and kind of reject the local churches. Unfortunately, many uh, my age and younger are trying to do uh, to reject the church. But no, God, God awakened my heart for the local church. And he said, no, you're going to do this my way. The vehicle for missions, the vehicle for missions is the local church. So we must work in and through the local church. If we're going to be Jesus's witnesses, we must do so in and through the local church. Also, God equipped me to evangelize the lost in the military and then to start a church. That's a very specific order. He equipped me to evangelize to the lost in the military, then to start a church. I learned evangelism first and then church planting. I've seen others try the other way, to start a church and then try to figure out how to evangelize. It doesn't work. We must learn to evangelize first and then organize our churches to reach the lost. We must learn to preach as Jesus' witnesses prior to organizing Jesus' church. Now I want to make sure we're hearing properly and reading properly. That word preach literally means to to proclaim or to herald the good news of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to look like it does this morning with a microphone and a, and, a, uh, and a pulpit. I preached many a sermons way before I stood in front of a congregation with a microphone. Believe it or not, from the moment that we bore the name Christian, at whatever point you started telling people that you're a Christian, at whatever point I started telling people that I was a Christian, we were preaching sermons. With every word of our mouths, every action of our lives, we were preaching the gospel. The only question was, were we a good preacher or not? Are we accurate to the gospel of Jesus Christ or are we not? We are all preaching something. When we proclaim to know Jesus, we are preaching. First time we bear the name of Christ, we are preachers. God equipped me to preach Jesus Christ and prepare me to do so. A lot of times it did not look pretty, but he taught me. He taught me on the USS Ponce. He taught me in Camp Buka, Iraq, Camp Fallujah, Iraq, Forward, operace, forward operating base Zabruj in Afghanistan way before what I'm doing this morning. How is he preparing you? How is he preparing you to preach the good news of Jesus Christ? How accurate were your sermons this past week? How accurate did your life display full devotion to Jesus Christ this past week? We preached the Lord Jesus before daring to organize churches. Why? Because if you organize a church before we understand how to preach the Lord Jesus and proclaim the Lord Jesus as a people, 
will organize it towards something else than reaching and evangelizing the lost. We have now planted three churches in less than four years. We've multiplied ourselves. We started the church, I got out of the Marine Corps and started the church almost simultaneously in January of 2013. In January, in uh, February of 2014, we sent out our first church planter to Oceanside, California. In 2015, in June, we sent out our second church planter to Kaneohe, Hawaii. And in 2016, our first church plant sent out their first church planter to Okinawa, Japan. And now we look forward to what is next. We don't know what is next. We look forward to what is next. We preach the Lord Jesus and we ask that he will open our eyes to what is next. We do this individually and we do this as a church. How about you? How can you more fully align yourself individually to what the Lord Jesus has called us to, to proclaim his gospel to the nations. He says we will be his witnesses to the nations. How can we individually more align ourselves with scripture to do so? And how can we as churches more fully align our churches, more align our organizations, more align our committees to fall in line with the mission of the church? It has been a true pleasure to work with your missions teams. They, they come with a selfless attitude. They, they come with a desire to serve and to love people. It's been a pleasure to worship with you this morning as well. I love you guys. Let's pray. Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you by the Father. Therefore, because of that and because you told us to, we go and we make disciples of all nations and we baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and we teach them to observe all that you have commanded us And Jesus, that is an impossible task for us unless you are with us. I praise you, Lord, that you say that you are with us to the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen. As our invitation, we're going to do a video of Go Light Your World. Um, if you would, just stand, and we. this is when, if you filled out your green form, if you would, just bring it down. And you can sing along if you want to. Spirit who brings a fire.
Lord, we ask that as we go out, we do preach a sermon for you, a sermon that will spread your gospel and evangelize the world, Lord, in your name and to your glory. We ask, Lord, that people don't see us when they look at us. They see you. Hide us behind your cross each and every day. 